And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. There's an old saying that says money can't buy happiness, but it sure helps to pay the bills. But seriously... The way we feel about money can not only affect how much we make, but it can affect our lives in general. On today's episode, we're going to ask the question, what is your money personality? And to help me with this discussion, I want to welcome my amazing friend, Samira. Sam, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Tony. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. And uh... With the fear of sounding like a fan, I have heard so many of your episodes, so I love them all, and I'm so excited to be here and to be connecting with your audience. Well, I'm excited to have you here today because this is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while because, you know, there's that thing, money. Whenever you talk about, well, I want to make more money, you know, people have different responses to that. You know, they think, well, are you being greedy? You're being greedy, right? You hear that a lot. When I said I was going to start my own business, well, aren't you worried about the money? There's all kinds of different ways we can react to money. And I think that has to do with what we call our money personality. And that's something that you talk a lot about. And I really wanted to get into this discussion. So what in your world got you interested in learning about money personalities? So I have been a student of psychology for a long while. And one of the reasons I got into coaching was because I love learning about people and how we communicate with everyone. And one of the things which I realized is this, that coming from a corporate job, I have worked as a journalist, as an actor, is this that no two people deal with any situation in the same way, in anything in life, because we have archetypes or personality types in everything. So most people have heard about M- uh, MBTI personality types, which is, you know, ENFP, INFP, I'm a I'm a borderline between ENFP and INFP on merge between ENFP. And when I found about that, it made me really understand how I take reactions and how I react to things. And it also made me realize that what are my strengths and how can I work through my weaknesses? And that got me really interested in the fact that we, when we have money, we deal with money in the same way. So money personalities are just like a kind of personality. For example, if you take like a personality type like an MBTI and there's no right or wrong way of dealing with money, but you would deal with it on basis of your personality. There are eight money personality types. Uh, I I know two other ladies who have done some work with money personalities and I studied with them and then I got my own method uh, created and I got it patented. It's called Sacred Abundance Archetypes. Don't get too confused with the name. But uh, it is basically your money personality and there are eight money personalities and these eight money personalities are a saver. So a saver is someone who loves saving. Uh, We all have that friend who would, even if we go for the movie, who would go through each deal and find out the cheapest deal, even if they are saving 50 pence or 50 cents 
and they will go for it. And again, it's not a right or a wrong way. That's what their personality is. They are savers. Then we have visionaries. These are the people who don't like money so much, but they realize that money is a tool to make a change in the world. The third personality type is like what I called a superstar. Superstar is our friend who basically take, go, goes and in the business class or they go to the best resorts and they take a picture and they put them on Instagram or on social media. And it's just that they are being true to their personality type. Fourth is a uniter. A uniter is a money personality type who are more concentrated on developing relationships. So these are the people who are everyone's best friend who would come to you and say that like, oh, I'm trying to sell this thing. And then by end of the pitch, they'll be like, oh, actually you are a friend. So I'll give you a discount because they are basically dependent more on making relationships. Uh, fifth is what I called uh, ichnoclast or inner rebel without a cause. These are the people who like taking risks. They are mavericks. They will create a business, but they will change it totally. And uh, they may, they'll do it because they want to change things up. They want to shake things up. A perfect example being Elon Musk, uh, because he's someone who would take up a business and he'll shake it up, sometimes for good, sometimes for not so good. But they, they like being these change makers. Sixth is a carer. A carer is for someone for whom money is a tool to take care of someone. So they are the people who are always giving loan to others, even if they have to take a debt to give it to their friends, who are always who like having money because they like to spend it on others. Uh, seventh is a sensualist. A sensualist is someone who likes having the best experiences money can buy. And again, they're different from a superstar because they just they they don't like to show off about it, but they just want to feel pampered and comfortable. So this is the person who would travel in first class in business, but they won't ever talk about it because it's more to do with how they feel about it. And eighth is a ruler, which is someone who likes creating businesses, but at the same time they are very risk averse and they are very they like creating processes. They are very stable around money. But at the same time, they use money as a tool to build something, to leave a legacy behind. So these are the eight money personality types. And we all fall under one of these eight money personality types. This assessment you can take to find what your money personality type is and which are the other two most dominant personality types you have. I am of the belief that you cannot change your money personality type. But what you can do is this. You can work with his strengths. And also you can work with shadow side and you can bring these together and be the best that you can and improve your relationship with money on basis of that. I love that. Thank you for going over those the way you did, because, you know, I was kind of taking notes along the way, writing them down because I have not heard of this assessment. So I would love to take that. Now, before we get into that a little bit, just wanted to say that I am also an ENF. P. So hardcore ENFP. I'm I'm you said you kind of go between the I and the E a little bit, but I'm definitely all the way, you know, extrovert. I'm like off the charts. My E was uh, basically, I think it was 5859. So it's okay. like I'm still an ENFP, but close, very close to very close. Yeah, I think my close one was the uh, N and the T uh, were, were kind of close, but I definitely I'm more on the intuitive side. I, you know, I trust my intuition more than 
everything else. So, but yeah, very, very interesting. You know, I know a lot about that particular personality type, but I haven't really delved into these eight money personality types. And again, as you were going through them, I was trying to think, hmm, I wonder which one I am. And there were a couple of them. Just curious, uh, Sam, which one do you fall under? So I am a ruler and that's my most dominant. My second most dominant is I'm a centralist. So like, I like having my comforts and I don't talk about them, but yeah, I like having my comforts. And uh, my third is a carer, a natural. Okay. That's that's what I am. So basically what happens is this, that your money personality, you have the most dominant one, but you also have two other ones uh, which are on the top after that, which also kind of uh, add their flavor to your uh, instincts. So that's the voice in your head when you want to buy something, one voice is saying you should buy. But the other voice is saying that you should not buy. That's your other money personality coming out. Oh, interesting. We've all had those experiences too. I mean, when we're ready to make a purchase, I've done it. I'm in the process right now and doing a couple of investments in the business right now. And, you know, you get that feeling right when you, especially when you're online, when you hit that click, when you click and you know you've made the purchase and you get that little feeling that, did I just do the right thing? And then sometimes you just say, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. And you just move on. But yeah, I get it. So that's a conflict, huh? But I think you're a ruler because rulers like that, rulers, they know what they want to buy. So rulers, even though they love having stability, they're very determined about what they want to buy. So they know like, I'm going to join this course or I need this podcast equipment because it will add to my business or I know that it will help me in my personal development. And they will make an immediate decision that, yes, I'll buy it. So some people may actually think that, oh, they're quite impulsive. And you may actually yourself think I'm being impulsive. But when you kind of dig deep into why you want to buy that thing, you'll always realize that it's actually tying up to a bigger vision you have in your life. That's the ruler side coming out and saying, I need this investment to be made, to be a ruler, to be, and that's why I'm going to do it. Interesting. So now you mentioned also that you cannot change usually your type but I would assume that maybe you could help yourself develop in some of the areas that you're weak in. Yes. So I say that that's called like working with your shadow side and each money personality, they have what I call alignment path. So you can work on what is your shadow side and or what you may call them weaknesses, but I like calling it your shadow side. And yeah, that's much better. That's a much better word for it. I like it. <laughs> so you can work with it and you can understand it and you can learn how to basically merge it with your strengths and so that you can become a wholesome person. So for example, I'll actually take this example. So I know a lot of people who are savers, but being a saver is always not a good thing because that also means sometimes that you're not investing in things which are good for yourself or for your self-development. And being a business owner yourself, Tony, you understand that the biggest thing you make in a business is when you start investing in your business regardless of what kind of business it is, like a podcast, a coaching business, a product-based business. And in the beginning, when you, when the investment is more than what you're getting back, you have to have that faith that it's going to pay off sometime in future. But right now it's an investment. Mm-hmm. And some savers may not do it because uh, that goes against their money personality. I mean, there's no right or wrong. And once you understand your personality and you, you kind of learn this, you kind of understand that, oh, that's just the very my personality type talking about. But I actually need this thing to be invested in so that I can 
grow my business or even it can be like grow my career because sometimes you know you have to upskill yourself even if you are in a corporate career or even in a public service career or like if you are very impulsive uh, superstar then you ask yourself like do i actually need this a branded bag again i have five branded bags like how is it going to help with my long term future uh, what it has done is this that it has really made me very understanding uh, and uh, very tolerant about other people's money habits because there's nothing right or wrong uh, people are just behaving according to their money personalities and your personality and the other person's personality may be different a uh, one big thing i also see uh, my clients even though i'm mainly a business coach they'll be talking about how they don't agree with their partner or their spouses like oh, my partner never likes spending or he spends so much and then when you do the assessment and you sit with them and you kind of explain to them this is your money personality and this is your money personality and it's almost like almost having a couples therapy and it often helps them to see each other's point of view and to find a way together where they can spend money together yes you know that's interesting because i do the same thing a lot when i'm working with someone a client and usually it's related to a business related thing but a relationships in their life that all that always gets intertwined with everything so when we're talking about like the other personality types like if someone is let's say you know I, we know we're uh, entps so let's let me pick on everyone picks on introvert extrovert and i don't want to go down that path because most people don't understand that an introvert doesn't necessarily mean like a social person who wants to go out socially it just means that's how they recharge their batteries exactly uh, so most people look at that when you look at the judger and perceiver which to me are weird terms to use but your judger is the really super organized person who goes everything according to the schedule and your perceiver is like us and we're kind of go with the flow people i just love to go with the flow so if you're in a relationship with someone and you're like we are and we just go with the flow and then we get someone who's super super organized and needs to have everything all set up you're going to have those conflicts so you have to understand that hey this is how you are this is how i am so let's work together and we'll come up with a compromise and i would assume that when you're working with couples and you see their money personalities and if someone is a saver and another person is like oh is one of those ignoclasts in there yeah. oh that God. would be that would be wow <laughs> oh my god it's like elon musk married to martha stewart i have never thought of it but yes yes exactly so understanding it is what is so important yeah. It sounds like the first thing that everyone needs to do is get out there and take their assessment, find out where they are, and then have the friends in their life to go out and find out where they are so that they can communicate. And this not only works in relationships where, you know, like male, female, romantic type relationships, partners, things like that, but also in a business relationship. Because if your business partner is one way and you're another, you know, if you're an essentialist and the other person is more of a visionary, then, you know, you're going to see some conflict there, I'm sure. Well, definitely. It's a very good point. But if, if you're a business partner or you're like, even if you're like franchise partner or agency partner, this impacts everything this impacts how you'll go to marketing what kind of customers you attract whether you want to give a payment plan or not and different people will have totally different views about it 
And it's very important that you understand what your, what your partner, and I'm using the word partner very broadly here, yes. in the sense of the business partner, friend, uh, what their money personalities and what is your money personality. For example, like your money personality totally impacts what kind of business model will work for you. So for example, if you're a uniter, you focus more on relationships, you would be most comfortable doing a one-to-one coaching because you are more of a relationship builder. And you and these are the people who will have the same client with them who has been with them for years. So like, and, we, and it's not only in coaching, like you see a hairdresser who has clients who are coming to them for the last 70 years and they probably not increase the prices for them or marginally increase the prices because they nurture those relationships. But if you're a superstar who likes one of a celebrity types, who like being central of attention, probably what's worked best for you is doing group coaching because you like that you live off that energy. You like being central of attention. You like to impact as many people as possible. It impacts what marketing works for you. And your money personality basically derives your values about your business. And your business is based on your values, which is one of the biggest thing I say that cookie cutter business strategies don't work because they have to be aligned to your money personality and uh, your values which are again driven by your money personality so if you tell someone who is more of a carer or an or a united type to post on instagram daily about what they are eating what they are buying it's not going to work for them because it would feel so unauthentic to them they may do it but it's not sustainable And it also impacts your buyers because you need to know what your ideal client's money personality is because how people buy is determined by their money personality. So for example, if it's a saver, they are the people you are targeting, then you need to kind of show how for $500, they are going to get the most value, lay out the total breakdown of everything, probably say that the package costs $2,000, but they will only get it for $500. But if it's a sensualist, you probably need to show them that how it could be a VIP experience, how they would be totally taken care of. You need to keep in mind what your buyer's money personality is. Or if it is a carer, often you have to convince them that uh, they are worth investing in because their instinct is to spend money on others, but not to spend on themselves. They feel guilty spending money on themselves. So you have to speak to them in a language that, yes, you're worth investing in. And also that... If you invest this money in yourself, you can actually help so many more people because that's what their brain thinks about. It's about caring. Money is a tool to care. Money is not a tool to grow their own life. And it also impacts because what payment plans you give, for example. So if you're targeting savers, savers will never, ever buy a payment plan. They will never buy anything which they have not already saved for. And they don't like being in debt. Having money plans for them will not work. But more people like sensualists, celebrities, even ruler, they will in, they will think of the investment in themselves and they will go and have a payment plans. So it impacts all aspects of your business. And you, you have to be very mindful of not only your money personality type, but as you were saying earlier, what the money personality type of your partners and of your clients is. And who you want to target or do you want to have a general model where you target people with all types of money personalities? Interesting. So it sounds a lot like when I'm working with somebody or when I'm having a conversation, I can usually within about maybe 15 minutes 
I can figure out what their personality type is. If they are yeah. an INTJ or an ENFP, or, you know, I can usually get a pretty close idea. I have a system of doing that. As you know, from listening to the podcast before I got into doing coaching and speaking, I worked in the field <laughs> of investigations. I was an investigator. And when I did my interviews with people, I used to have to figure out what they were. I used a lot of NLP. I used state control, controlling their state to get them to give me the information that I needed. So I had to really pay a lot of attention and study that person. So it sounds like in these money personalities, if you are meeting with somebody Let's say you are selling, let's say you're a real estate person and you're selling real estate and you're meeting clients for the very first time and you're out there showing them houses. Now their money personality is going to affect how you market that house, right? Because based upon all these things, if someone, just like you said, if someone is someone who's a saver and who d doesn't like to come up with payment plans, they're probably a little leery about the mortgage. So they're going to pay a lot of attention to different things than somebody who is an essentialist who's looking for that comfort or someone who, Absolutely. you know, is a uniter who really wants to find the right home that's going to help them make their family better. So I can really see how knowing other people's money personalities and recognizing those things would be a great tool in whatever business you're in. Am I right? Exactly. It doesn't matter like what business you are in or even if you're in a corporate job. So for example, if you're a boss and you are working, let's say, with a saver, you know that you have to give them a salary increase, right? That's a, that's a way to keep them. But if you are with a, if one of your clients is a uniter or, or one of your employees is a uniter or a carer, so you know that what they're looking for more, it's that feeling of being in team that they have, uh, they, they have people under them and they're taking care of them or they want to make relationships. And then, and you know that these are the people who would stay for long because they're driven more by relationships and by emotions rather than money. But if you have a maverick or ethnoclast, then you know that you have to use a totally different strategy to keep that employee. And most likely they will not stay for very long uh, simply because they are restless. They want to try uh, new things uh, as much as uh, possible. So your money personality basically can be shown in a lot of other areas of your life, not just related to money, just based upon that particular personality type. The thing that I like that you said though earlier is there's no right or wrong. And I think that's super, super important because some people, especially when you meet somebody who's different than you, it's that conflict. Well, who's right? Who's wrong? Well, nobody is. It's just what their personality is. It's the same way an introvert and an extrovert, you know, the introvert, who wants to stay home after a long day of working versus the extrovert who would prefer to go out and be around people. It doesn't mean that one is right or wrong. It has to do with working together and compromising and having the best relationship possible. So I think that's great. And I liked when you brought up in the sales part of it, that there's no cookie cutter methods that are going to work because everyone has a different personality. So I want to transition into a interesting area now because a lot of people have a lot of hang-ups on money it's one of those things that you know people love it they hate it they have a restless relationship with it they're worried about it there's all kinds of negative things and hang-ups that come in about money how can we address those things and how can knowing what your personality is help you to overcome some of those hang-ups that we have 
Yes. So how can you address this? The best way to find out what your money hangups are, and I give this exercise to all my clients when they start working with me, is first thing in the morning, take two blank A3 pages and take a pen and start writing money is. And for next 15 to 20 minutes, write everything which comes in your brain. Uh, there's no right or wrong again. You just don't judge yourself. Just write whatever comes in your head. If you say that money, if you're writing money is scarce, that's fine. If you're writing things like money is my best friend, that's fine. If you're writing things like money is hard to get, that, that's fine too. And once you have written that, then go through what you have written and you will find out some patterns. And usually there would be two or three patterns. These are the main views or subconscious beliefs which you have about the money. It can be things like money is scarce. It can be things like, oh, money comes easily to me or I'm always chasing after money, but you will find a pattern. And then when you find the pattern, try to think of where did you hear this in past? We have a money personality which determines our attitude towards money, but we also have a lot of subconscious beliefs which we inherit from our parents, from our teachers, by thinking about, by listening to things, by listening to what's in the news, by also like we have a lot of uh, cultural attitudes. So for example, people in some countries have totally different attitude towards money and people in other countries. It can be generational. So uh, for example, like my granddad's generation, and same, I'm assuming same with your granddad, they fought in the Second World War and then they lived through the whole depression and which came after that. And my granddad's attitude towards money is very, very different from what my parents or much less mine is. I'm sure it's the same. You must have seen it in your family also. Absolutely. Then you think about where this attitude came from just to understand it better. And once you have a good understanding of that, what I always tell is this, that take that statement and... Uh, you can flip it into a more empowering statement. So for example, if you think that I'm always chasing after money, you can flip it to something which is more empowering, saying money comes easily to me or, I, or I'm surrounded by money. Something which, is sounds, which doesn't sound improbable to you. So for example, people use affirmations blindly like saying I'm a money magnet. But to, if your brain thinks that what is a magnet? This sounds ridiculous. It's not going to work for you. How you flip it, it should sound sensible to you. You should be able to relate to it, even if others are not. So that's why I'm totally against using affirmations, generic affirmations, because your brain may just refuse to accept them. And once you've decided, let's say that you've decided that money comes easily to me, start seeing evidence of that every day. So then you do this exercise called Book of Evidence, which I always tell my clients. And you write it that I attract money easily. And then it can be, again, the evidence is something which looks like evidence to you. It doesn't have to look like evidence to someone else. So it can be something like, oh, I attract money because I got a 50 pence uh, discount on my shampoo. Or I attract money because I got a five pound in uh, a five pound voucher. I attract money because my friend bought me a coffee. So whatever seems like uh, evidence to you, which is supporting this belief, write it down 
and write, try to write at least three to five evidence every day. I call this book of evidence because the world around us is created by what we believe. And this, and our brain is always looking at evidence. So this is the way you're changing your subconscious beliefs. And once your beliefs change, the world around you basically changes. That is so cool because it's very similar to some of the things that I do. In studying NLP, I know a lot about pattern recognition and pattern interrupts. And the whole thing I've always said about affirmations is when we start saying affirmations that are totally the opposite of what happens in our life, like if we were to say this money comes easily to me, but yet we're always struggling to make money. Well, your subconscious mind is going to laugh at that, is going to reject it immediately because it's not going to understand it. So when you write a statement like that, okay, if your affirmation is, if your new affirmation is, if you're going to go from I'm always chasing money to money comes easily, then that makes perfect sense. You want to look for that evidence in your life because when you see that evidence, now those affirmations those things that you say based on that evidence are going to be there. You know, if you can come up with ways to support that and it'll interrupt the pattern that when you say, I'm always chasing money because the second part of it says I chase it. But when you chase something, do you always catch it? No. And if you're not catching it, how do you change it again? Using this whole book of evidence, that's a great method. And, you know, I do something like I said, very similar where write down, all the times in your life when such and such has happened, write down all the things in your life when, you know, you've had good relationships, when you've been able to overcome adverse circumstances and focus on those things and then become grateful for that. Because I think the next part there, the missing link in everything is gratitude. Because when we live in gratitude, then we cannot live in worry. We cannot live in fear. We cannot live in anger. Gratitude is so important. So I remember like Bob Proctor teaching this phrase, I'm so happy and grateful that, and then you list out what your goal is. Like I reached my goal. But if you say, I'm so happy and grateful that in the past, I've been able to overcome this by this. And now in the future, I will be able to blank. You're giving your subconscious a lot more specifics and a lot more as you said, that whole evidence path. Again, I dealt with evidence as an investigator, so I know exactly how it works. Yes, I'm sorry, it was, I didn't think of it, but that's so true. You were an investigator. You have to sometimes talk to me and tell me all about that. I'm, I'm, I loved hearing about it in your podcast, but I want to know what, how was it? Yeah, and also it's like, for example, even gratitude. I have had clients who don't understand gratitude. So they, they're like, I, I don't know how to feel gratitude. And then I tell them, okay, let's talk about appreciation. So you can't feel gratitude for your business. It's fine. But think of things that you like about your business. So they go like, yeah, it gives me freedom. It makes me work with interesting people. And so I like that. I like that. So again, it's just changing that language. And they go like, oh, yeah, I have good things in my business. So even though it's not gratitude in the sense how we say I'm thank you, but they are generating the same feeling because their brain probably doesn't understand the word gratitude. It understands the word thanks. So for example, like I can't understand the word forgive. So someone will tell me, can you forgive that thing? I was like, I don't know how to generate that feeling, but I don't hold grudges or I don't go around. So I am forgiving in some way, but it's just maybe my own inner language is different. But if you tell me to say, describe how forgiving someone feels like, I'll be like, 
I don't know because that's one emotion I actually don't know. I don't know how to forgive someone. Wow. So it's that... his, his interest, very interesting that sometimes you have to work with people's uh, just kind of walk the line and see maybe, okay, let me try this thing if, if they're not understanding that. And it's all a matter of trial and error, right? You find something, they try it. If it doesn't work, then you try something different. Now, I'm interested, I'm going to shift gears again, go in another direction. I always love to hear people's stories and how they got interested in this type of thing. So how did you get involved with money personalities? What got you so interested in that? And how did you get into what you're doing now? I grew up in a family where my dad came more as a, he was a more of a professional person because his granddad was a professor in a university. So more on the education side, but not very well-to-do. You wouldn't call them very well-to-do. My mom came from a very well-to-do family. So of course, uh, my grandparents at the time must have thought that she is, uh, in terms of finances, she's marrying below herself. There was always a lot of tension between my parents. Uh, even though they're very happy married, they're still together. But one thing there was always a lot of tension about was money. Because um, my mom's parents were always trying to help, help us out. But my dad, of course, uh, uh, being a man and wanting to be provider for the family, just didn't like that. And that had a lot of impact on my own money beliefs. And the fact that I grew up thinking that even if I would like buy a book for myself or uh, like ask for a toy or something, that was a wrong thing to do because firstly, because we didn't have money. And secondly, because that would also uh, basically cause another argument or tension between my parents B because my mom will be like, oh, I'll just ask my, my grandmom for money to get this. But my dad will be like, no, that's not happening. And I grew up thinking because of that, that there's no money, that I'll always have less money. My money personality type is centralist. So I, you can imagine that inner tension in me because my second money personality type is centralist. So I like my comforts <laughs> and that's a natural in me. So you can imagine while I was growing up, I had this inner tension. This also repeated when I grew up, I got a corporate job. Again, I saw a lot of things about how men and women were doing the same job. And again, this is very, very common in the UK. I'm not talking about US. But women will often get paid less doing the same thing. And I also uh, saw this happening with me. But I just accepted it because I thought that's a way of things. And then when I started my own business, uh, I started reading uh, Deborah Price's work, Wisdom Work of Money Personalities. I started uh, reading a lot about other writers who have written about money mindset. And Kendall Summerhouse, who also uses money personalities and whose method with whom I have trained and whose method I closely follow. And I got very interested in money personalities. And it was just like when I did my MBTI test, a light went off and I finally understood why my relationship with money was, what it is, and why these are my natural tendencies. And how I have grown up thinking that trying to invest in myself or trying to find, trying to like buy a branded bag or travel in business class is wrong. But I wanted to do it because I'm a centralist. I understood that though there's no right or wrong. Like my parents are right in their own way. I'm right in my own way. We have different money personalities. The best way is to find a common way together. So that's how I got uh, into money personalities. And then also I was very interested in business coaching. But then it used to drive me mad when I would see coaches trying to tell people or oh, post three times and five steps to success 
And I'm like, it was so easy then. And if everyone is doing it, why is it not working for everyone? And then I started more, doing more work on, on aligning business strategy to money personality. And I realized that how, just like everything in your life, you have to align your business and your business strategy to what your money personality is so it can be more sustainable and more authentic. Interesting. I like the idea that aligning your strategy with the money personality. Now, there are generic strategies that I think work in, but they're more universal things. But then when yeah. you're really trying to narrow down at, you know, what are the best steps for a particular individual to take, knowing that money personality in the same way, knowing any, any of their personality types yeah. and knowing some of their backgrounds, a little bit about my background is that I was um, born in Brooklyn, New York and New York city. And I was actually raised by my maternal grandparents because oh, wow. But my sister was actually my mother, which I tell people that, well, my sister was my mother. They kind of look at me funny, like I've got two heads. But then when you think about it, oh, OK, yeah, it makes sense. She gave me up not it wasn't a legal adoption, but it's like adoption to her her parents to raise me. And those were parents who were my grandparents and they had grown up in a much tougher time. So they had a specific money personality. What happened in my father's life is he was always that kind of person who had like that money thermostat situation. And what that is, if the thermostat effect is what I call it, if you set the thermostat to 70 degrees or 75 yeah. degrees, whenever you get above that thermostat's going to kick in. So if you get up to 80 degrees, it's going to kick in and take you back down to 70. If you start going below that, eventually it kicks in and takes you back. And it's the same way with where you are in your earnings and your money. You know, if you're someone who is set at $75,000 and that's what you can make every year. And if, if you start making over a hundred thousand, all of a sudden something's going to happen. You're going to make a mistake in your business and you're going to get back down to 75 that, that money thermostat's going to kick in. And it's the same way. If you start losing money and start going into some difficult times, thermostat kicks in, you figure out a way and you get back up to that 75,000. And it's the same way. I think a lot of that has to do with our background, our history, the things we went through. So my father had a bunch of experiences in his life. And again, he was my maternal grandfather, but he, he lost a job after he had purchased a house out on Long Island and was doing very well. So the minute he started doing really well, the thermostat kicked in, he got laid off, lost his job. We pretty much lost uh, our house and ended up moving up here where I live now in Rochester. Again, I was very, very small child at the time. I mean, I was probably like two, three years old. So I don't remember going through all this. I just heard about some of the things. So then he got another job here and then he worked for several years. And then since he was a lot older, he had a heart attack. So as soon as we were about ready to buy another house, that happened. And so Again, these are ways that that thermostat would kick in. So this was my observation. And subconsciously, when we observe those things, I think that affects money personality. So one of the questions that I had is, can your the world that you grow up in and your examples in your life, can they affect your personality or is it something that you're just born with? What do you think? I think it's something, it's a mixture of both. It's both, it's both nature and nurture. You are born with, uh, like, for example, like uh, if you look at MBTI, you have ENFP tendencies. But what you go through in life will either 
make them stronger or dilute them. It's the same with money personality. You are born with a money personality. So you are born a saver or you are born a sensualist. But the experiences, as you're saying, what you go through in the childhood will impact the money personality, will either make it stronger or make it weaker or make the shadow side stronger. So for example, if you are a saver and you saw this happening as a child, your thing would be saving. Like you'll become one of those extreme savers who like, who would walk 10 miles just to save $2. Not that there's anything wrong. I'm just using it as experience. It's an example here. Or if you're a sensualist, you grow up feeling guilty that my desires are wrong, that what I'm, I cannot spend, spending money on myself is wrong. And I'm a bad person because I want to spend money on myself. So it's a both, like just like anything else in life, it's, nat- it's nature and nurture. They both impact uh, your money personality. But just like everything else, there's no right personality or a wrong personality. You Once you know your strengths and your shadow side, you know how you can work with it. And also draw your line. For example, I have had clients. To them, relationship, building relationship is most important. So I have a client, I, even if I tell her, oh my, you know, like, because there's only that much you can do uh, one, in one-to-one setting, especially if you have a limited amount of time. So she works also and she has a, a site coaching business. And so I always tell her that, okay, maybe you should think about group coaching because you only have certain number of hours in the week. So if you have group coaching, you will uh, you can increase your income more because you can use the same one hour, but coach 10 people rather than coach one person. But she says no, because for her, building relationships is more important because she's a uniter. It's also about drawing your boundaries that this is what aligns with my values. This is where I'm comfortable and I'm happy doing that. The flip side is like, if you are like, like Elon Musk, like, uh, like an ignoclast, you go like, okay, I know I'm going to take a risk taking on that new business or they're taking out that new franchise, but I will not, I'll always have this regret if I don't do it. So I'm going to take that risk. So they're both sides uh, of the same coin. Got it. Did you ever have a big revelation either in your own life or working with someone else, one of your clients, where you just were trying to figure out, well, how am I going to help this person? And I think what you just gave was a good example as well, but something else where there was this wall, like a brick wall they were up against. And all of a sudden you just said, wait a minute, that's because their personality is X. And if we change that, we can change the whole situation. So has that ever happened in your life or in the life of one of your clients that you would want to tell about? Yeah, so I think like the, uh, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. That example which I gave that when you have a carer as a client, they hate spending on themselves. So I had this client with the carer and she was actually one of my first clients. So actually she was not investing a lot in me. Like it was at a very discounted rate. So I would encourage her that, you know, she needs to, invest in XYZ in her business, do uh, these things and maybe uh, start asking for some money for all the work she was uh, giving out for free. And she just, she just wouldn't. She, or she's just like, no, I just can't. And she was like, if I would ask her that, like, you know, why don't you, um, uh, she was really busy and um, she had like, it's a kind of arthritis, I can't remember the name, where you can't type uh, because it impacts her wrist. So, there was not much she could do on social media. So I told her that maybe like, you know, get a, get a VA because she can, you can just tell, give her that. You can tell her what you want to do for your posts. She can actually post it for you and you don't have to like, you know, worry about your risks. And it was just no. 
And then I kind of realized that because she is a carer, she just wants to save that money. And she was always talking about, oh, I'm going to give this for my nephew. I'm going to go to get this for my husband. I'm arranging a dinner for my husband's uncle, far-fetched uncle who has just lost his wife. Then I started speaking to her and I kind of told her that this investment which you're making, you know, firstly, you are allowed to make an investment in yourself. Your money is not only, it's not just to be spent on others. And if you're actually making an investment in yourself, think of how many people you will be able to reach and how many more people you will be able to help. Because if you start investing in a VA and increase the social media reach, you will reach out to people and you will get clients. Or even if you don't want them as clients, if you, even if you want them as like free uh, advice, you'll, you'll be able to help so many more people out. And and she got that. And then she kind of realized that her biggest breakthrough was, yes, I can spend money on myself. And also spending this money on myself will actually give me power to actually nurture even more people. Love it. That is a great example. It's exactly what I was looking for. So, Sam, you and I could probably sit here and talk for a couple more hours on this topic, I'm sure, and many other topics, but we're getting close to the end of the episode. So a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. First off, simply, are there any book recommendations or any places that people can go if they were looking to learn more about these money personalities? Okay, so firstly, my own book is coming out in September. So look out for this space. It's called Money Mastery. It's all about money personality, what your money personality is, uh, how you can use it to grow your business. And also there'll be one small chapter on how you can use it to basically work on the relationships in your life, whether it's spousal relationship or your uh, any of the business relationship. And it will also go in details about what marketing strategies work best for different money personalities, what different money personality buyers look for, what business model will work for you. So watch the space out. It's going to be called Money Mastery. It will be out in September. I will definitely post the links and everything in my Strive to Thrive group on Facebook so that uh, the people who listen to the podcast, most of them or a lot of them are in the group so they can get that. Anything else? And they can also find out about your money personality. I'll give you the link. You can take a free assessment, uh, which I have, and that will help you find out what your money personality is. And what are the main traits? So I'll send you these two links. Perfect. And if people were interested in reaching out to you, Sam, just to maybe talk to you or get some help in developing their money personality, what would be the best way to do that? So the best way to do that is either to email me on samira at samirasingcoach.com. I'll actually send you two of my email addresses since you had the issue with my first one. And the other way is you can join my Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. I provide a lot of free training. So you can join the, my free uh, Facebook group. It's called In Her Successful Shoes. It is open to both men and women. So <laughs> even though it's called In Her Successful Shoes, and you can join the group. And uh, I'm I'm there every day and I'll be able to support you. Excellent. I will definitely post the links in the Facebook community as well as the podcast notes. That'll be great. And the last thing, Sam, I'm going to ask is the question I ask all of my guests the first time they're on the podcast, and that is simply, what does being purposely positive mean to you? Purposely positive means to me that following our dreams, but at the same time by being true to ourselves, knowing that everyone's special, uh, we all have a space in worlds. We are all the childs of the universe, and we all have equal right to be here. 
the best thing we can do is to become the best version of ourselves rather than trying to be someone else. Ah, that's so true. A lot of people do that, right? I'm a big believer in learning about success by reading other people's biographies. And when we learn about those people, that can help us on the road to success. But let's not become copycats and try to copy them. You know, that's that's a great thing. So follow your dreams, but be true to yourself. And that's how to live a purposely positive life. Sam, that was great. This has been a lot of fun today. I would love to talk more on this topic or anything else that you'd like to talk about in the future. So we will definitely want to have you back on. I would love to do that. And I would love to come back again. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me here, Tony. And it was so nice to know a bit about your life also. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, a purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there struggling. How can I get money? How can I make a change in my life? If you want to download a free resource, come to TonyWCoaching.com. You can download an ebook, Strive to Thrive, and it will help you in the direction of a purposely positive life.